Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Assalamu Alaikum this is Dr Wakar welcome to my new podcast I have decided to record a podcast for all of you as well as for me to utilize our sense of hearing when we are doing any kind of work our sense of hearing is free so we can utilize it for the good purposes likewise i am inspired i am very much inspired from the fast food trend and nowadays this is going to be day by day increase and many peoples they want everything to be prepared means fast so that is called the fast food within few minutes you get the food and wherever you are while you are in traveling while you are walking while you are chatting with anyone you can eat that fast food and uh, you can enjoy the food as well so my aim is to discuss my aim is to study with you with all of you the akp applied knowledge in practice mrcpch exam before they are before they were saying part 2 but nowadays they are saying akp applied knowledge in practice so i hope i will complete these sessions all 50 cases book in few days next few days or maybe next one month so i have start i am going to be start from the respiration so this is the case number 30 let us start so this is the case number 30 with a troublesome wheeze a 6 year old boy is referred to the clinic due to recurrent cough and wheeze for the past 2 years now he is a boy of 6 years and he has a recurrent cough and wheeze for the past 2 years so every wheeze is not asthma and every cough cannot be rule out uh, it is not an asthma so there are present most days these present most days but are worse with colds his gp prescribed two puffs of two puffs of salbutamol inhaler through a large volume spacer which relieves the symptoms but he needs to use it once or twice almost every day and is coughing a lot at night so he has a cough with wheeze since past 2 years and this present and worse during the colds so gp started salbutamol inhaler through large volume spacer which relieves his symptoms but needs to use it once or twice almost every day and is coughing a lot at night even though he is on salbutamol inhaler but coughing at night he was then started on baclomethazone dipropionate in the form of clinil modulate 200 nanogram twice a day through a spacer so he was not responding with salbutamol after that they started baclomethazone so his technique appears appropriate and his gp feels that he feels the family is adhering to treatment so both parents say that they smoke but only outside the house so his techniques was for we check the technique but his check technique was okay and he was adherence with the treatment as per family so on examination you examine the child so you received a 6 year old child with cough to, uh, since 2 years and uh, you have started salbutamol he, he didn't respond then you have started baclomethazone now 
you are going to do an examination so his height and weight are on 75th centile there is no cyanosis or clubbing but he has a harrison sulcus and a mildly increased thoracic anteroposterior diameter so you hear occasional scattered wheezes on auscultation his spirometry demonstrates a forced expiratory volume in one second fev fev one of 83% of predicted and force vital capacity of 96% so this was his uh, spirometry results as i told you fev1 83 and fvc 96% his fractional exhaled nitric oxide called pheno is 56 parts per billion so these investigation we need to understand uh by these values it is very vital to understand for the purpose of exam so on examination he is 75th centile and uh, no cyanosis no clubbing harrison sulcus is there mildly increased thoracic anterior posterior diameter and there are some wheezes okay, uh, scattered wheezes on your auscultation and you did spirometry it was 83% fev 1 second and fvc 96% and pheno fraction uh, fractional exhaled nitric oxide pheno is 56 parts per billion so this was the history and examination points now there are two questions examiner wants to ask from us what is the most appropriate management after this history and examination what is the most appropriate management select one answer only a b c d e so aid inhaled salmeterol 50 nanogram twice a day aid oral montelukost 5 mg daily change the preventer to inhaled budesonide 200 twice a day via dry powder inhaler d change the preventer to inhaled fluticasone propionate 125 twice a day e increase clinil modulite to 400 twice a day so this these were the options and you have to choose the one answer the next question there is some history he returns for review 3 months later so you choose one of above and then he returns after 3 months his symptoms have not improved he was he didn't respond and his lung function and pheno measurement remain unchanged pheno was 56 and lung function fev1 83% and fvc 96% i will tell you this pheno and this fvc and f ev one second how to uh, interpret this investigation so what is the most likely reason for the apparent failure to the therapy select one answer he is not taking his preventer inhaler regularly he has inhaled a foreign body he has steroid resistance asthma his inhaler technique is poor at home his parents are smokers so these are the two questions just think yourself and you can pause the podcast that's why i decided to record on the postcard earlier i have recorded the three audios but it was not in the podcast so in podcast you can uh, stop any time you can stop me any time you can forward me and you can even rewind it any time and you can offline you can listen it so not me actually my voice so this answer let us go for the answer the answer of the first question after this uh, not responding with uh, salbutamol and 
salbutamol and the preventer therapy beclomethasone so next step is to add inhaled salmeterol 50 twice a day the second was he was not responding even though on this uh, salmeterol so after that we have to what uh, next option is he is not taking his preventer inhaler regularly now here the thing is he is not responding it means how examiner know how we should know that he is not taking the medicine properly because his uh, FEV one second and FVC remains the same and pheno pheno is important fractional exhaled nitric oxide so this fractional exhaled nitric oxide as you know this nitric oxide it is produced all over throughout all over body almost and also in the lungs and this pheno it is fight with the inflammation and it relaxes the tightened muscle of the respiratory muscle so this pheno if it is increased it means there is still inflammation is there so the patient is not taking properly the treatment sometimes patients are lying with the doctors that i am very much adherence to the treatment and even the parents they are favoring to their the doctors they know by the investigation so any patient you treat with the asthma treatment and you did the pheno three months pre previously after change the treatment you again did the pheno which is almost the same it means patient is non-compliant so he didn't take whatever he say but according to your results he is non-compliant pheno should be reduced if he was having compliant on the treatment if it is asthma so let us go for the explanation so here are the two main patterns of wheezing at this age are wheezing solely with colds viral episodic wheeze and wheezing to more than one trigger which can be regarded as asthma so asthma is regarded how viral episodic wheeze or wheezing to more than one trigger so it should be noted however that colds are also the most common trigger of asthma attacks in children with multi-trigger wheeze so viral episodic wheeze may respond to leukotriene receptor antagonist such as multilucost either for short courses at the onset of the cold or as ongoing therapy so viral episodic wheeze multilucost is the good multilucost is a leukotriene receptor antagonist and we can use it even though the ongoing therapy for the other like salbutamol salmeterol there is less evidence to support to use inhaled steroids in this type of wheeze in contrast inhaled steroids are the first line preventer therapy for children with asthma called multi-trigger wheeze so in clinical practice the first question to ask this situation is whether there is sufficient evidence to make a diagnosis of asthma is the noise that is reported as a wheeze genuine wheeze are there symptoms that make asthma less likely such as persistent wet cough onset from birth other noises such as stridor associated chronic ENT disease or other infections so these things we should rule out persistent wet cough and since birth it means the problem in the cilia and uh, stridor it means upper respiratory problem not in intrathoracic extrathoracic and some ENT problem or some infections so these, these, these things we should rule out if there is patient with the asthma 
means we are suspecting that patient is having asthma. So are there atypical signs like for example the clubbing, any chronic issues, localized crackles or faltering growth. In this case the wheeze is present on examination it is said to improve with salbutamol. This is the very uh, genuine clue that wheeze which has responded with salbutamol and there are no features suggesting other diagnosis although the presence of a chest deformity suggests a sustained period of under treatment. So for the long time sustained period of under treatment they can develop with a chest sign like as in our case it was a problem in the anterior posterior diameter thoracic diameter and Harrison sulcus it means for long time the patient is having the symptoms so the examiner have made it easier still is the only options available in question one or increases in asthma treatment for examiner is everything is easy for us is very difficult to answer this is usual so they have also given you a set of spirometry readings. So spirometry is very important to understand. Where the forced expiratory volume is lower is a percentage predicted. Then the forced vital capacity. To seal the diagnosis, there is an elevated fractional phenome. There are three things. The first clue is the spirometry readings. The second is phenome. So phenome is fractional uh, fraction exhaled nitric oxide as I told you so how to predict uh, interpret these investigations he said the FEV1 and FBC ratio so here we are looking for the obstructive restrictive and mixed picture as we know the asthma is the obstructive or may could be the cystic fibrosis so in this situation the FEV1 second is low and FVC is the normal or more than 80% is the normal so here in our case in question it was FEV one second is 83% so it is 83% and FVC forced vital capacity is 96% as I told you FVC is more than 80% or some books are saying 85% is the normal so here he said FEV one is lower than the FVC so here 83% is FEV one second and FVC is 96% which is in the normal range. It means it could be obstructive picture, asthma or cystic fibrosis. In the restrictive picture you will find FEV one second low and FVC also is less than 80%. So in which they both are low. So it is the restrictive picture like in uh, and Duchenne muscular dystrophy means outer force is compressing the chest wall and also there is a mixed picture also mixed picture is uh, typical for the cystic fibrosis in which there is FEV one second is low but more than FVC both are low but FEV one is more than FVC so that is called the mixed picture this is typical for cystic fibrosis and fractional nitric oxide as I told you fractional nitric oxide it is uh, we used to check the patient has responded or not usually it is increased when there is inflammation of the airways so pheno will uh, increase and if inflammation has reduced so pheno will be reduced so here in our case it was remains high after the treatment even
so asthma is very important to understand these values this is regarding the any any uh, type uh, any part of the exam like part 1 2 and even the clinical so affecting because asthma is affecting over 5 million people in the uk so from those 5 million over 1 million are children so this is a big, a big amount but there's a lot of patients who is having asthma so asthma guidelines and asthma these investigations need to be understood properly it is the chronic inflammation of the uh, lining of the airways and which release some inflammatory mediators which we will read during the theory and science cases inshallah so it was the investigation now he is saying we are now left with the question of what pharmacological step is best when a child of 5 does not respond adequately to an initial dose of inhaled steroids. So according to the British Thoracic Society's guidelines, recommended that under the age of 5, the next step is the addition of multi-leucost, only under the age of 5, not the above 5. In children aged 5 or older, the recommended next step is the addition of long-acting beta-2 agonist LABA, such as salmeterol. So here in our case uh, was 6 years, above 5 years, they usually they are giving very marginal age. Sometimes they are writing 5 plus 1 months or sometimes 4 plus, plus 10 months. So 5 above or 5 down, the guidelines will be changed. So just keep in mind. The age criteria is also important to know. So, salmeterol, LABA, salmeterol as we given in our case. The normal recommended starting dose of inhaled steroid in a child of this age is 100 to 200 micrograms daily of baclometazone are equivalent. So, this child is already on higher than average dose. So, what is the dose? 100 to 200 micrograms daily but he was already on the higher dose and it would not be appropriate to increase the dose further at this point without trying additional therapies. Now if it, he was taking the 100 and uh, we can increase the dose of the baclometazone but he was already on the higher dose the next we have to go for the next step. It would not be appropriate to increase the dose further at this point without trying additional therapies. Whenever possible LABA should be given in combination with inhaled steroids as monotherapy with LABA increases the risk of severe asthma, exacerbation and death. That's why we have to use it with inhaled steroids. Long-acting beta, beta agonist should be used with inhaled steroids because of severe asthma, exacerbation and death, risk of these things. So there is no evidence that one steroid is superior to another in equipotent dosage so there is little point in changing to a different steroid at this stage unless there is a strong patient preference for a particular device budesonide and baclometazone are roughly equipotent and fluticasone has about twice the potency of other two there are differences in oral bioavailability with fluticasone having almost none approximately 0.5% and budesonide having less than baclometazone. But this is of little relevance if they are given by a large volume spacer that minimizes oropharyngeal deposition. 
so there is not that much change in these uh, uh, inhalers by uh, bioavailability there is no difference in the bioavailability so we can use of any of them the use of dry powder devices is not recommended for the children under 7 years in any type of case and therefore option C, C is incorrect. So just keep in mind powder devices under 7 years not recommended. Above 7 years if the age is above 7 years we can use the powder device otherwise you can cut out that option. The other management option that might be considered in this case would be a short course of oral steroids while commencing and the additional treatment. In patients with poorly controlled asthma, there may be a degree of steroid resistance. This can be improved by bringing, bringing the asthma under control. So if they are developing steroid resistance because since two years he was on the steroid uh, treatment and uh, maybe he became uh, resistant so in that case we have to bring the asthma under control that's why we give them oral steroids for few days so this option was not offered in the answers to avoid confusion that's why they didn't give this option in the question while a change in treatment is often effective, a significant proportion of children who return to the clinic report that their symptoms have not improved. Understanding why a child has not improved is essential. But in this case and in clinical practice, there is often significant guesswork involved. In clinical practice, more than one factor may be playing a part in an individual child's case. So whenever child is not responding, patient is not responding with the treatment, we have to think the multiple options. So now first question, what is that? Is he being given the therapy effectively? The history suggests that he is, although objective measures of adherence suggest that doctors are not good at identifying patients with poor adherence. All patients think that doctor cannot identify my poor adherence. This is true. Not only in asthma, even all patients. Is there extraneous factors in home that might worsen his symptoms, such as pets or smokers? The house dust might is fairly ubiquitous in British homes. So, house, house dust mites are there in British homes. So, and there is no evidence that attempts to reduce exposure have a significant impact on asthma control. Passive smoking is certainly a factor that can worsen asthma control and the parents claim that they smoke only outside of the house should be taken with a pinch of salt. So parents outside the house should be taking a pinch of salt. But it is less likely to be responsible for such a poor response to treatment. It is responsible but poor response to treatment it is not responsible. Obviously advice and support to quit should be offered routinely to smoking parents of any child with respiratory symptoms. Psychological factors may also need to be explored especially in an older child with asthma that is difficult to control. So if parents are saying they are smoker, we have to give an advice that quit the smoking. It is not uh, that you will go outside and smoke. In the 
present case, the information given is limited but data from randomized controlled trials including children of this age have shown that a very large proportion adhere, adhere poorly to regular treatment. This can be improved significantly with the use of reminders. Mean adherence was 30% in the group without reminder and 84% in the reminder group. This is very important statement. He is saying this can be improved significantly. What, what can be improved? He said in the present case, the information given is limited. And but the data from randomized control trial RCT include including children of this age have shown that a very large proportion adhere, adhere poorly to regular treatment because in this age means 6 years 5 to 12 or 5 to 10 years adhere poorly with the treatment and can be improved how to improve this adherence significantly with the use of reminders only with the use of reminders so anything which is poor adherence for not only asthma i'm saying anything reminders are very important for every good thing so he says mean adherence was 30 percent in the group without a reminder and 84 percent in the reminder group so see the difference of the 30 percent without a reminder is 30 percent uh, and uh, the with the reminder 84 percent adherence so it is a big difference with with and without reminders so reminders for the good thing is always appreciable. In some instances, a candid discussion with the parents and child will reveal that main issue has been one of intentional or unintentional non-adherence. In this situation, it may, may be appropriate to keep the treatment unchanged. The fractional exertion of nitric oxide in this child is elevated Normal would be up to the 25 parts per billion. The normal pheno is 25 parts per billion. If this falls promptly after a discussion about adherence or following admission for directly observed treatment, this suggests that the child was not taking their treatment correctly at home. Miss child's pheno was 56 in our case. The normal range is 25 parts. The here in our child, uh, this above case, it was 56. Now, uh, patient came to you with the pheno of 56. You admit the patient and you treat the patient with the in front of you or in front of uh, the health worker, and you observed. After that, you did pheno again, and it fall. It means there is poor adherence. So a detailed discussion of the utility of pheno in clinical practice is beyond the scope of this brief discussion. However, more details can be found in the draft NICE guide, guidelines on diagnosis and monitoring of asthma in adults. Children and Young People published January 2015. So this was the little about the asthma, but asthma guideline is very guidelines are very important important because in 2019 in month of uh, January and as well as in this month month of the March they are going to be uh, uh, they are published some new changes in asthma guidelines but few changes not that much but in January also they have made some changes and we should know the new guidelines because in exam usually they are giving in about these things so. 
these things we need to understand and this was the respiratory as the respiratory case actually i have recorded earlier audio 3 uh, more total 4 case on respiration in the 50 cases around so i have recorded earlier audio for 3 cases i will try to upload on this podcast if i uh, couldn't then i recorded uh, i will record again inshallah for you so just remember the investigations examiner can ask about the investigations and through the guidelines investigation fev1 and fvc spirometry how to interpret uh, spirometry and as well as the pheno and guidelines as we all know it is important thank you very much assalamu alaikum